Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 6th of July 2014, entitled Open Doors Before Us, Part 4. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 9. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We'll take our reading from our passage again, verses 1 through 9. I invite you to stand with me. Honor the reading of God's precious and holy word. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. When I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, then will I send to bring the liberality unto Jerusalem, and if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Father, we thank you again this evening, Lord, that we have this glorious privilege of being in your house, of having your word. Help us, Lord, not to take it lightly. Lord, we have such freedoms. We can come together any time that we choose. Lord, we have the freedom to have your word, to not only read your word for ourselves, but to proclaim it to others. So here this evening as we take this time to gather around your word, we depend completely upon you. We pray, Lord, that you would take and, Lord, just take and use thy unworthy servant. Bring forth the words that need to be spoken here this evening. Speak to each heart. We'll give you the praise, the thanks, the glory for it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We've been talking last Sunday and this Sunday on open doors. The Apostle Paul, being here at Macedonia, even though in the flesh he had a desire to go and spend some time at the church in Corinth, there was still a time that that had to come later because right now God wanted him to be somewhere else doing something else. Now, he was still confident that he was going to get that opportunity to go to Corinth to spend time with them, but he said, right now I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door ineffectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. Of course, we looked last week at the uh, the effective ministry that the Apostle Paul was having there in a number of portions of scriptures. We began to think about these, these open doors that are before us. First of all, we talked about the door of salvation uh, last week, and then this morning we, uh, we looked at the doors of service. And uh, in that door of service, we looked at a number of things, but uh, we uh, looked back into Revelation chapter 3, and of course, God said to the faithful Philadelphian church there in verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door that no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. These faithful people in this church that God had opened doors before them, just as he had the apostle Paul. Paul was where he was because of this great and effective door that had been opened before him that God had opened. God is promising this church at Philadelphia uh, because that uh, they were faithful to him, uh, because they had a little strength, little as much when God is in it, that uh, he was opening a door before them that no man could shut. 
We talked about some of those doors, the door of witnessing, of evangelizing the, uh, uh, the lost of this world, uh, and of course, not only evangelizing a home, but the door of worldwide missions as we do all that we can to get the gospel to the ends of the world. We talked about that door of just literally the way of life, where we go with our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of, of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And, uh, and of course, we, we looked at that, and then we, uh, we looked at that passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Uh, we need to be looking for the doors that God is opening for us. Uh, we've talked a lot about the fact that we can get very easily caught up in just opening our own doors and rushing through life and passing by and not paying a lot of attention. But those doors of the door of salvation is the most important door, the door of service. But I want to mention another door there to you this evening uh, as far as these open doors, and that's the door of securing. What does the word securing mean? We hear the Bible talks about being secured by the Lord, and it really means to encourage, to assist. And this is really what uh, is happening here. If you look just a bit further down in Revelation chapter 3, now notice the contrast here that in uh, verse 8, this door that the Lord had said that he had opened before this church that no man could close. But remember the church at Laodicea was the church that was a lukewarm church. They were a church that literally... They weren't, they were straddling the fence. They weren't hot. They weren't cold. They were lukewarm and it made God sick to his stomach. But even God opened a door for this church. And this is exciting for us. If we think this morning when we're faithful, God can open doors of ministry that look impossible. Doors of ministry that we may think, well, we aren't capable of. And we're probably right because it's not our abilities that we need in any way. It's just our availability so that God can do it. But this here church, this was a church that wasn't in a good state with God. But notice what he said to them in verse 20. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You see, here's a church that they were far from what the faithful Philadelphian church was. The door that was opened in Philadelphia was that door that was open that no man could shut for them to be able to, to minister to others. But here, the church at Laodicea, they needed another door. They need this door, door of securing, this restoration, this assistance. God needs to do something for them. And of course, notice what he said in verse 19 after really telling them, let's just go back and read what he says to this church, beginning in verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write... These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. This church, you know, materially, they were just stuck on themselves. 
They had the position, they had the education, they had the riches, they had all those things. They didn't think that they needed anything. They were just in great shape. But of course, they were what they considered in great shape in the world's things and not in God's things. He told them they needed to try some different gold, some gold that had been tried in the fire. They needed to wear some different garments, that white garment, that one that could only come from him, that they could truly be clothed and not be in their their nakedness. Verse 19 really tells the story, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and what's the next word in our Bibles? Repent. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You see, the truth is, is that we may be in a position in our lives to where that we really are not everything that we ought to be. And of course, for all honest, we're all either there, we've been there, we're heading there. You know, we, we fail God so much, but this church, you know, this is a state that we would never want to find ourselves in when that we literally made God sick because of the spiritual situation that our lives were in. And yet, even at that state, God was standing at a door and knocking unto them because he wanted them to repent. He wanted to restore them. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to assist them. And of course, that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us today. And it's not just the succoring of those that are lukewarm, that are away from God, that need to repent and need to come back to God. But there's also the situation that in everything that we go to do, We've got all of those promises, and we'll be looking at those later because God is always there for us, and we've looked at some of those things already. I remember reading a story, and it was about a a Holocaust museum that uh, was actually located in Germany or in in uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, that's there in honor of all of the uh, the Jews that uh, uh, that were killed by the Nazis during World War II. And of course, if you've ever gone through, which I have gone through a couple of these uh, concentration camps, um, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you'll never forget. It's not something that you can exactly say is, is a joyful thing to see. I remember that as I read this, they were talking about, you know, the depressing experience, the horrible pictures, the, the accounts of the ghettos and the concentration camps. And I I could relate to that so much because I remember a couple we went to, and especially when we were at Auschwitz and whatnot, that I remember looking there and saying, you know, every human being ought to see this, not because of the joy that it brings to us, but every, every person ought to see this to recognize the depths of, of, of man's sinfulness that he can go to, what man is capable of doing one to another. You know, we look at it and we think, you know, how can, how can you even be human and to do those things? But this person that visited this one, they said that amidst all of that darkness, against all of the, the misery and the suffering that there was an amazing story that they read there. And it was about a young lady by the name of Rachel, and she was a prisoner in one of those concentration camps. And it told about a lot of the hardships that she had had to, uh, uh, to go through and how that she was made to, to go out and, and, and to work in the snow with, uh, with hardly any clothing, certainly inadequate clothing on. 
how she had to watch in horror as friend after friend and family member after family member uh, died of the uh, exposure and the lack of food and everything else. And amidst all this, you know, I mean, it's horrible because here you find that, you know, we talked about this morning when we talked about doors that, you know, doors are something that keep people either in, they keep you from getting to something, or they open to allow entrance into something. And of course, these doors that she was accustomed to in this concentration camp were doors that kept her a prisoner in a place where she faced horrible things. But she told in the story how that one day, suddenly the guards were just gone. They just disappeared. She didn't know where they had gone to, and she didn't realize that the war was over and that these guards had just run, that disappeared. It said that sometime later, there was an, a group of American soldiers that turned up, and one of them came, and she was hiding in the corner in her little cell there in, in her room. And one of these soldiers came up to her and just came, and he opened her door, and he told her that uh, uh, he was there to... Uh, to let her go that the war was over and that uh, they were there to rescue her. And he uh, told her just to gather her few possessions, what she had. And, you know, she was still, she was stunned. She didn't know what was going on. And he held the, the door open for her uh, coming out of that place. And he stepped back and he's just like so many times that we would do without even stopping to thinking about it. He just held the door open and said, after you, ma'am, uh, allowing her to go through that uh, that door before that he passed through it. And the story said that immediately she just broke down and started sobbing and she was just crying her eyes out. And he looked at her, I mean, he expected her to be happy. She was being set free. And he says, what's wrong, man? And she said, that's simply, I quote her words. I can't remember the last time someone held a door open for me. It's the nicest thing anyone has done for me in a long time. And of course, that same door that had held her prisoner for so, so long was a door that released her to freedom. Now, there was an even happier ending to that story that I don't need to go on and tell you, but they stayed in contact, and eventually they ended up becoming husband and wife later on uh, because that was a door to, uh, uh, to a life of, of love with a husband. But that's what God can do for us, you see. He can take the most terrible situations imaginable, and he can turn it into something beautiful. Uh, the place that she had faced the most unimaginable things that she'd ever gone through in the life was the same place that the door opened for her future. Our God really is an awesome God as we, as we sing sometimes. We said this morning that he's the one that's in control of these doors. I ask you that question if you've ever gone somewhere thinking you had time and you got there and the door that you thought was going to let you into somewhere, it was already closed, it was locked. You couldn't get in because you weren't in control of it. God is the one that's in control. I remember reading, I don't know who to give credit to it for, but I remember reading somewhere that uh, you know, when you go through the tough th times in life that you can either look for the junk or look for the joy. Look for the junk or look for the joy. The truth is, is that God is able to bring something good. And that's what, you know, here, this church was in a terrible state and they didn't even know it. They didn't realize the condition that they were in. They were feeling all good about themselves as most of the world is today. I believe that we are living in that Laodicean church age. And for the most part, people are feeling good about themselves, thinking that they've got everything that they need. The Bible speaks of having a form of godliness but denying the power 
thereof. Well, our God is there waiting. You know, we find that uh, uh, I'm sure that when Job went through everything that he did, we saw that he was just discouraged. But at the same time, we saw that Job so often chose to look for the joy instead of the junk. And the latter part of Job, we find out that the Bible teaches us that the Lord blessed him in the latter part of his life even greater than in the beginning. That's the God that we serve. And the door that he promises this church, I've heard this verse often used many times when dealing with lost people, and I understand what they're trying to say, and I'm not trying to be critical. But in his context, it's written to a backslidden church, a church that didn't even realize the condition that they were in. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, let me in. I will come in, and I'll sup with you. I'll dine with you, and he with me. The Lord wants to succor us, and that door of succoring is always there. He's always there, ready to encourage us, ready to assist us, ready. And, of course, he just told them right before that, of course, it begins with our repentance. Uh, sometimes the Lord does have to get us in a difficult spot. Sometimes it is for, for chastening, but there are many doors, and these open doors that are there is something that, that we have before us just as the Apostle Paul did I want to give you a couple of things this evening that won't keep you long, but you know, the, the latter part of that, that verse when we, when we read it, when Paul said, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, he went on to say, and there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. Now, we looked at some of those adversaries when we looked last, last Sunday morning in, in, in Acts chapter 19. Uh, we saw some of the things that, that Paul was having to face uh, there uh, and, uh, uh, in, in, in Ephesus. And, of course, we find that uh, he was going through some pretty terrible things. But God was doing some great things. And this is what we need to read. This was a great and effective door that was open before him. But, man, that didn't mean that it was easy coasting just because that God had put him there to be able to be a ministry. He said there are many adversaries. What are the kind of adversaries? As we look for the open doors that God puts before us, as we go through, and we, we said this morning, we talked about these doors of service, that there are doors for all of us. You know, so many times we've got a choice. Are we going to just sit and wait for the kingdom of God? Or are we going to serve the king that's done everything for us? And we do have choices, and that's the choices that are before us. And even though things might be tough and things might be bad, the same God that opened that door for Philadelphia that said, you know, that he would open the door that no man could close, that same God is still in control of the doors today. We've looked at a lot of the doors that he's opened for others, but there's going to be adversaries. The devil doesn't want you to go through the doors that God has opened before you. He doesn't want your path to be on the road that God, the direction that God wants you to go. What are some of those opposing adversaries? Well, think back to what we read last, last Sunday morning in Acts chapter 19. You know, one of the adversaries that we saw there is simply what I've called lucrative sin. You know what something is when it's lucrative? Sin sometimes pays. You know, we, we, we like to say sin doesn't pay. Well, it doesn't in the long run. But in the short term, unfortunately, it can. And, of course, we recognize that some of the very people that got upset with the Apostle Paul was because his ministry was being so effective that suddenly these silversmiths that were making all of these 
icons and these idols, they suddenly were losing money because the sin is what was their livelihood. So suddenly all these little statues of Diana that they were making and they were selling to all these people, they said, you know, it's drying up and not just in Ephesus, but in all these other places around as well. I can promise you that, you know, sometimes sin can be lucrative. That can be a real adversary because when you start going through a door that God's put you through, but if that starts messing with the money that somebody's making from their sin, they're not going to be very pleased with you. Of course, there they tried to bring him before the council and get rid of him. They wanted to stop that. We find that also the love of life. Love of life, what do you mean, preacher? Well, do you remember what else happened to the Apostle Paul? You know, Paul acknowledged that the only way that he escaped death was because of God. He was in a situation that literally was in a point to where there was no way. It was going to cost him his life. But if it weren't for the God that raised Jesus, the God that had resurrected Jesus Christ, there's no way that he would have escaped death. So many times God may want us to pass through a door. There may be some real adversaries there, and it may be dangerous. There may be the risk of this temporal life that we live here. That's a hard thing for us to deal with sometimes. The truth is, the Apostle Paul, it was a great and effective door that was opened before him. But when what he was doing for God, beginning to get into the pockets of those that were non-Christians, it caused him some big-time trouble. And it caused him so much trouble that in the end, there were those that literally wanted to take his life. And had God not rescued him miraculously, he said, there's no way that he would have escaped with his life. Lucrative sin, love of life. I didn't know how to say this other one except just laziness in life. Laziness. <laughs> you know, too many Christians around us today, just like the church at Laodicea, they're just too lazy. They're just content with where they are and what they've got, and they just really do not want to be involved in ministry. They don't want to have to get involved in the lives of others because I'm going to promise you something, that when you begin to serve God, it will cost. It'll cost some time. It'll cost some effort. It actually may take a little bit of sacrifice on the part of you for others. That's what ministry is all about. Jesus came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, the truth is, is that if we're doing the work of the Lord, then yes, God's going to open doors great, and effective doors, doors that no man can shut. And yet there will be adversaries, lucrative sin, love of life, laziness in life. How about the lure of the world? You know, I used to do a lot of fishing when I was a young guy, and I, I used to spend a lot of time in getting the right lures because I liked to, to, to throw those lures out there. And, you know, depending on what kind of fish that I was fishing for, I used different lures to fish for wide-mouth bass than I did if I was fishing for, for catfish, for example. If I was fishing for trout, I used a different lure. But I knew what lure that would attract that fish to my line. So many times, there's so many lures of this world. Do you remember what we read in 2 Timothy when Paul wrote to him there in chapter 4, verse 10, why he said that Demas had forsaken him. For Demas hath forsaken me, 
having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Why did he quit serving God with Paul? The Bible tells us very clearly because he loved this present world too much. The world had attracted him too much, had lured him there. That's one of the adversaries that we have to face out there. Of course, if you turn back just a few pages in your Bible, a very familiar passage in 1 John chapter 2. The Bible tells us here, 1 John chapter 2, notice what he says in verse 15. We've read this verse many times before. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The real contrast here is whether you're doing the will of the Father or whether you're following after the things of this world that are only temporal You see, the lust of the flesh, love for this world, it'll draw us away from the things of God. It'll help us to bypass those doors that God has for us to to go through where he wants us to serve. And finally, we've talked about this many times, just out and out lies of the devil. (laughs) You know, he is the great deceiver. We looked at that when we looked at the spiritual warfare a few weeks back, a spiritual warfare. He's a great deceiver. He's the father of lies, the Bible says. He'll lie about anything to anybody, anything that will hinder the work of God, and he's all for it. And so we find that there are great, effective doors that God will open for each. None of us are too small. None of us, you know, we're not talking about what we can do. We're talking about what God wants to do with us. And he's promised to open these doors, and he'll open these doors that can be just as effective as what the Apostle Paul's, but there will be adversaries. There will be struggles a lot of times. There will be battles that will come against us. We see the open doors. We see the opposing adversaries. But you know what? We see the obtainable power. I remind you again of what Paul said of his experience there in Acts chapter 19. He describes much of the power that was given to Paul to accomplish the the ministry that had been set before him there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, we read this verse last week. I want to point out a different portion of it to you. He says that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. Paul said, you know, we just, we literally, we were to the point that we didn't even think that we were going to be able to live, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver and in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He's already delivered us. He still delivered us, and he'll keep on delivering us, praise God. Paul said, we were just, we were pressed out of measure. We didn't have anywhere to go. There was no way we could get through this. But the God which raiseth the dead, the same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he delivered us, and he still delivers us, 
and he will yet deliver us. That's the truth that you and I have. That's the power that's obtained. Yes, when these doors are open, if we want to see our lives used in some effective way for God, then we've got to go through the doors that God opens for us, not the ones we push open ourselves. And there will be adversity. There will be adversaries there, just as there was for the Apostle Paul. But we've got a power that we can obtain from on high, just like in his case, (laughs) That same power is there. You might say, well, yeah, preacher, but Paul was an apostle. Yeah, and don't forget that. (laughs) And he had special powers that attested to his apostleship that you'll never have. But what did Jesus promise us? When he gave us that commission to go, we mentioned that this morning. Jesus said, how much power was given? All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. All power, he said, is given to me in heaven and in earth. And what did he say? Lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the world. You see, the same one that's sending us out there is the one that holds the power of the universe. And he says, I will be with you every step of the way. We read that other verse in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world, of the earth. Power from on high. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you got power and love and a sound mind, I say you're well on your way. We don't need to fear. What do we, he hasn't given us the spirit of fear. We don't have to be afraid of those adversaries. We need to look for the doors. We need to find the doors God wants to take our life in. We need to go through his doors. And yes, the adversaries will be there. But we don't have the spirit of fear. We don't have to be afraid of them. Or we could look at passage after passage after passage. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8? And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Does that sound like he left anything out? Always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. What about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20? Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us because he lives in us because it's the power of God that's working. He said we can't even begin to think and imagine what God can do through us that lives within us. Yes, there will be adversaries, but we've got a power that's obtainable to us. If we're doing the work of God, we don't have to fear them. We just have to depend upon him. I've told you many times in the, in the years, and, and you know, I'm, 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 I know I said this before, and I'm not trying to say it to, to be super humble. I have no earthly idea why that God ever called me to preach. I have no earthly idea why God ever wanted to use me. It's not because I deserve it. 
It's not because of who I am. It takes more of God's grace than you can even begin to comprehend and imagine, not to save me, but to allow me to stand up and preach his word. I don't deserve to stand up and preach God's word. I'll never deserve it probably. But you know what? <laughs> that simple verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, Brother Steve, it says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. If I had to stand up here and preach because of who I am and how good I've got it and how perfect I am and my abilities and all that, <laughs> you'd be in big trouble because if you ever get anything from it, it's got to be him that's doing it. we got to grasp that. None of us, we're not doing this for any credit of our own. Don't put God in a box. Don't expect him to always give you the help that you need in the way that you feel comfortable with it. God has promised. He's promised to be there for you. He's promised to supply every need that you possibly have. He's promised to deliver you. He's promised to do anything necessary for anything that he calls you to do. He's promised to do far more than you can even begin to think or imagine with your mind. Take him at his word and let him do it his way. We need to let him have our lives. Forget which one of the missionaries was. <laughs> he said it still remained to be seen. <laughs> what could be done with a life that was holy, holy, surrendered to the Lord. God is an awesome God. <laughs> There was a woman at work one day when she received a phone call that her daughter was sick with a fever. She left work and she stopped by the pharmacy. She stopped to get medication to get home to her, to her daughter right quick. And, and of course, she was all addled in mind. And she jumped out of the car. She went into the, to the pharmacy and she got the, the, the drugs that she needed and she brought them back out. And as soon as she got back out, she realized as soon as she got to the car, she had locked the door. The keys were inside. <laughs> she had locked herself out. She had no way of getting through there. Well, she was panicking, and she, she, she called the babysitter that had the baby at that time, explaining that she was trying to get there with the medicine, but what had happened, and, and she didn't know what to do. And the babysitter told her, said, well, see if you can find a coat hanger and, and, and try to get it down in the door and get that lock open. Well, she went and searched and finally found an old rusty coat hanger somewhere and got back to the car and then she thought, well, I've got no earthly idea of what to do with this thing. What am I supposed to do with this? And she literally broke down and just started praying, God, please help me. I don't know what to do. I said this motorcycle pulled up in the parking space beside her. This was a rough-looking dude. <laughs> I mean, he had hair down to everywhere and beard everywhere and, you know, these old ragged clothes and everything. I mean, he was a, a real rascal, and he pulled up there, and he looked over, and he saw her crying. He said, ma'am, can I help you? And she said, oh, no, God, <laughs> this is not what you sent me. <laughs> this, this, she didn't say that out loud. She said she thought that in her mind. This is not what you've sent me, is it, God? <laughs> but... She began to explain to him that she had locked her keys in her car and she didn't know how to get him out. And, you know, this guy comes over, he takes the coat, hanging in less than 30 seconds, boom, boom, boom. He's got the door open. And so she begins to, to thank him and she looks at him and she tells him, says, what a, what, a, what a nice guy that you are. He said, ma'am, he said, I'm far from being a nice guy. 
He said, I just got released from prison for car theft. <laughs> well, what was her attitude? She said, oh, God, you even sent me a professional. Amen. <laughs> the thing is, God don't always do things the way we expect him to. God's even got a sense of humor sometimes, you know. It's okay to smile sometimes. But sometimes, you know, when we look around and it's, it doesn't all fit neatly in our box, we sometimes we look at the people that God sends along and we can be quick to judge them for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> the truth is, is that Jesus died for every one of them. <laughs> they may not fit into our little category of what they should look like and what they should do and how they should dress. Let God do his work. And let's not try to, to do it for him. Just one final thought in closing. You see, we've looked at the open doors that are there. And God's given us many open doors. And of course, the door of salvation is the most important, the door of service, the door of securing. But of course, at the same time, there's many opposing adversaries. But there's, there's this power that's available to each and every one of us. And it's a power from on high that God alone. But then finally, there are options that are available to all of us. You see, the real question is, what will we do with the open doors that are before us? We can ignore them. We can pass by them. Will we enter in or will we pass them by? You see, there's not really any other options. We can enter the doors that he opens before us and experience his power and his blessing we can pass them by. We can miss the greatest opportunities of our lives, not of what we can do, but of what God can do. We can go on and do our own thing instead, instead of God doing through us. You see, we may look around and say, well, we're not many in number. And boy, it seems like an awful lot of us are getting beat up on really bad here lately. But I want you to know God's still on the throne. There will be battles we are in a war. There will be adversary, but that doesn't mean that we give up and quit. It means we depend upon him. You can let the adversities turn you away from the doors. You can let them discourage you. Or when you know it's a door that God has placed there, that God has opened, you know that nobody can close it, even against all odds. You can go through that door, knowing that if God has opened it, <laughs> Nobody else is going to close it, and God's going to be right there with you. And, of course, that's what each and every one of us need in our lives. Some years ago, an energetic young man became a clerk in a hardware store. And like so many of those old ironmongers and hardware stores, there's just all kinds of things, and there was literally thousands of, 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 of dollars worth of stuff that uh, that uh, was, was laying around and nothing was happening. So he went to the boss and he tried to say, well, look, why don't you let me put these things out here and, and, and let me just sell them for, you got to realize in, in the States, I don't know if you know what a nickel and a dime is, a five cent piece and a 10 cent piece. He said, you know, all these things are just laying there doing nothing. Let me put them out there and just sell them off, you know, at five and 10 cents at nickel and dime. Boss didn't think that was a, Real good idea, but he let him try it, and sure enough, he sold those things and went on. And anyway, he began to, to recognize, you know, that this thing worked, and 
that gave this clerk this idea of just, you know, having store that just sold five and 10 cent things, nickel and dime things. But the boss said, that'll never work. <laughs> you can't find enough items to sell for that price to open a whole store with them. He went away and he left him. But this guy decided that that was a door that he did want to go through. Most of you still have seen some of those stores that have been left around. His name was F.W. Woolworth. And even though everybody else doubted, nobody else thought it would work. And it was, you know, it was just, it was crazy. It was a crazy idea. Years later, that same boss quoted these words. He said, as near as I can figure it, every word I used in turning Woolworth down has cost me at least a million dollars. <laughs> the truth is, is that, you know, whether it's in this physical world, or whether it's in the spiritual world. Remember that verse we read this morning? What did Joshua say? Choose you this day whom you will serve. And, that, and God's there. You know, the door of salvation, I look around, as far as I know, you've all entered it. If I haven't, then you better get through it quick before it closes. It's that simple. The door of service. You know, what doors has God opened? What doors has God put before you right now? You know, whether it be witnessing, whether it be missions, whether it be just ministering to some poor soul. We talked about so many things this morning, little things that you can do that God can do great things with. There's a place for everybody to serve God. The door is securing. Maybe we need to do some repenting, but he's there knocking on that heart's door. He said, if you'll hear my voice and let me in, I'll come in and I'll sup with you and you with me. That's his message to you and I today. If we're willing to go through those great, effective doors that God has put before us, then God will do great things. Not so you can look good, not so I can look good, so God can be God. and God's work will be done. Father, we thank you this evening that, Lord, it seems that, you know, in, in, in the last few weeks, we've looked at a number of things concerning spiritual warfare and concerning these open doors and the adversaries that are there. But God, we know that you have a specific path for each and every one of your children. We know, Lord, that it's not your will that any should perish. We know that it'd be your desire that each one would enter through that door of salvation while it's still open to them because there's a danger of that door closing. And Father, for each and every one of us, oh, I pray that you'd help us genuinely seek to know what what doors is it that you want us to go through? What is it that you want to do with our life? Help us to get our, our minds and our hearts off of the things of this world. Help us to focus upon you and your things. Help us to believe and take your, for your promises for what you've told us. Lord, no matter who we are, no matter what struggles that our church have gone through and might go through, Lord, we know that the doors that you open, no man can close. So I pray today. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to find those doors you've opened before us, those great and effective doors, just like you did for the Apostle Paul, just like you promised the church at Philadelphia. And I pray, Lord, that we would enter through those doors knowing that it's where you want us. In Christ's precious name we pray, amen and amen. Amen.